Hello everyone, I'm Dr. Darsh Shah. And I'm Dr. Ultima Shraja. And welcome to Medicine Redefined. A podcast where we will explore the often overlooked but necessary components of health, what we consider to be the fundamentals. We will investigate topics and practices that can give you and your patients the best chance to optimize a healthy lifestyle. It's time to move the needle forward and put the health back in healthcare. Live, Altmash, Progress Note, eight hundredth episode. We made it. How do you feel? Century mark. Feel old. I think. <laughs> um, it's interesting though. Technically, this is as we've talked about um, yeah. because we've had multiple different iterations of how we're rolling this out, and it's a continuous, evolving process. Um, it's technically more than a hundredth episode, but nevertheless. Oh. That's what we're officially calling it, uh, but it's good, man. I mean, it's a, it's a milestone. It's exciting. Both I, I mean, two and a half years, probably officially in terms of timeline. So right. that's uh, that's fun too. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, like you said, two years. It's incredible to think, and I'm, I'm proud of us for making it this far because, yeah, as you know, a lot of podcasts fizzle out after maybe five episodes, four months, three months, you know, but uh we kind of stuck through the journey as we're both busy as hell you know you graduating through residency me going through intern year and now dy3 so impressed with us I'm, I'm, I'm i'll say that yeah a little pat on our own backs i suppose yeah, yeah. i think the number is 90 percent, right don't make it past number 10. Okay. so when you think okay. about some of the other ones that we routinely reference or listen to you know um i think chris hutchins talks about this recently on, on his podcast is like his goal initially, initially was just to, to make it past number 10 and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. And then over time, it just kind of created into this, this, um, gigantic, just operational system for him where he's able to step away from, you know, his financial planning type situation at Wealthfront. And now it's like his podcast is and his mm-hmm. entire business. And so, um, unfortunately, we're, we haven't been quite as lucky <laughs> on our end uh, in terms of turning this into a, a full-time business or, or where we can retire from our primary gigs. But um, yeah, but but I think we we've made certainly an impact, and 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 I think one of the things that, or some of the things that we w- we want to talk about is as we recap some of the lessons that we've learned from our guests or throughout the process uh, over the journey in two and a half years. Because I think I was thinking about this. We recently posted about this, uh, mm-hmm. maybe on Twitter. I don't know where, where you just kind of just stay in the game, stay in the game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I did recently tweet that. Yeah, just keeping in the <laughs> arena, keeping in the arena and play the in game. In the arena, you know, that's right. Whether, uh, whether there's going to be ups and downs, right? But it's just about chipping away and keeping it going as long as it's a passion, as long as you're having fun with it. Um, no, I, I totally agree. But um, yeah, so two and a half years ago, I think I think it's important to kind of recap the, the uh, journey a little bit, right? Talk about how we started. I don't even know if a lot of listeners know how we started, you know, especially if they just started jumping on in like episode 70 or 80. Um, but, you know, Altamash and I met during my interview process for physical medicine rehab. And, you know, you were at Hopkins and I was interviewing and, you know, we were at dinner or the the residency dinner and you said, let me get your number because I'm sure Pat's will at some point in the future meet. And I said, sure. So we exchanged numbers. And then Lo and behold, I think it was about four months later, uh, you texted me and said, hey, do you want to start a podcast together? Given that we had a lot of similarities in how we viewed how we wanted to treat patients, our thoughts on medicine, um, being more interested in the preventative side of things, the alternative holistic approach side of things. Um, and then, yeah, it kind of just took off. And 
took us a while to create the name Medicine Redefined. And, you know, I think one of the things I'll talk about later on too is just how that idea has morphed a little bit or evolved, I should say, um, into the way we even conduct our podcast now. But, um, but yeah, we started with that first episode with Simone Maven. Um, I still remember hmm. being in that room back there, uh, enjoying a glass of whiskey to celebrate that. Um, and here we are a hundred episodes or, you know, a hundred plus episodes later, but yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was an amazing episode because I think that might've been one of a few episodes where, um, we weren't able to actually see her guests. So just bringing people behind the scene is, uh, her camera wasn't working and, uh, and, you know, due to some scheduling issues, we decided to conduct the interview anyway. And, and so that was a challenge in itself. And I think, um, I, I mean, again, for the first one, I think we did a pretty good job because, um, yeah. not having that feedback where, where you can, um, visually see and pick up on cues and, and, and conduct an interview. Another thing I think, you know, people just don't realize how challenging it is. Um, maybe, maybe this is a, a good place or, or later to talk about how challenging it is to, to do an interview with, with multiple hosts. You know, a, a yeah. lot of the podcasts that I listen to, I, I don't know if I listen to any podcasts where there there are multiple hosts. Do you? Uh, VPCD, but it's more of a back and forth. Um, yeah. Do they interview other people? I guess maybe once they, or twice. I don't. Maybe I know Sahil Bloom, Greg Eisenberg did that. They had a they were a two host, but now it's just Greg Eisenberg taking taking over that podcast. And yeah. then maybe Millionaire Mentor with Sam Parr and um, oh my God, what's the what's the Indian guy's name? <laughs> I can't think of it right now, but yeah, there's not many out there at least. There's... So yeah, I think um, it is it is definitely challenging to have two hosts interviewing. And the reason why is, I mean, to be on the same page and same flow, I mean, we've done our fair share of individual interviews where it's just you hosting or me. And we quickly realize it's way easier to get into a flow of questions because your stream of consciousness is already thinking, you know, five, six steps ahead about those follow-up questions. But if you have a follow-up question while I'm speaking and then you go, I kind of have to pivot in my mind now to get on track with that. So it doesn't seem like we're going from A to M and then M back to B. Uh, so it can be more of a coherent thought process from both of us. Yeah. Yeah, I think. And, and that's where a, a little bit of planning ahead of time uh, comes in handy, right? I mean, and and again, to, to bring the listeners backstage is, Usually we, we have a thought process in terms of how like a general template of the things that we want to talk about, certainly researching the guest well in advance and, mm -hmm. and thinking about things that they might be able to teach us, but also offer for the audience is helpful. But yeah, no matter what, because in, in order to keep them authentic and, and keep it conversational, which is kind of what we try to do, we try to keep it educational, but also conversational. Uh, I mean, I think you said it really, really well. We have gotten better and better as time has went on though. Cause there's often times where we can communicate during the, the chat and it's like, Oh, read my mind or right. stole yeah. my question. And so, um, you know, that's certainly gotten better too. And the other thing is, is sometimes we're able to bring it back to, uh, we can pivot back and forth if there's something that we desperately want to, to know about. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, certain times, uh, it's easier to do than others and, and it not always goes perfectly. And so, um, yeah, it, it's it's been a lot of fun. I suppose um, we should uh, maybe think about some other barriers that, that we've had, not necessarily from a from an interpersonal relationship type situation, but other things right. that even as recently as today's technology issues, oh, we've man. had a lot of those. And I know that people have talked about this as well. So you want to 
comment yeah. on that. Um, technology can be your worst enemy. It can be your best uh, best friend when it comes to podcasting, right? Because I mean, nowadays there's so much variability with audio quality, with hard equipment that we look at, right? Where it comes down to even your dongle that you're going to connect, so you can connect other microphones and webcams to it. Um, but you know, throughout the last hundred or so episodes, we've had our fair share of disconnects with podcast guests and unfortunately can't even bring on a podcast guest because of it or something. Um, but we've bounced around even with different platforms. We've had issues where audio just wouldn't record halfway through and you wouldn't realize it. And so definitely a lot of trials and tribulations when it comes to technology. And I think probably around episode 60 is when we kind of figured out like, okay, these are the quick maintenance check that we have to do prior to every episode. Uh, make sure the guest is on the same page. Let the guests know that, hey, these are things that could happen. And for the most part, most of our guests have been understanding. Um, if they've been on other podcasts, they understand the troubles that can occur when it comes to technology. Uh, but yeah, here we are testing testing another uh, <laughs> software, so seeing if it works. <laughs> to date, we've lost one guest and they have decided not to come back uh, because of that. In fact, they've completely decided to ghost us uh, after right. that one time. Uh, we won't name that person. But uh, but yeah, we've also had some amazing guests who just kind of come back on after we've completely lost that audio. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Giselle Arney, mm -hmm. uh, who who's done a, a take two with us. Just um, you know, we just had so many gems, and and you can never recreate it. But but I think that the ultimately what the conversation came out to be with that specific person um, was was even more powerful the second time around. So, uh, Dr. Arney, if you're listening, thank you again, uh, and hopefully we can get you back on here. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And just to give people a reference, right. I mean, I, I've been looking left and right. I think the the one that we use the most is Squadcast. People might've heard of that. Um, it's both good and bad. Uh, every single one t tends to have its pros and cons. We've tried Zencaster, we've tried Riverside, we've tried StreamYard. Um, anything else that we've tried? I think we just haven't landed onto the perfect one quite yet. Yeah. We started but, with zoom. I'm sure a lot of audience zoom, are like, why yeah. have you done zoom? No, we, we've done that, but audio quality is an issue with that. So and interestingly, a lot of people still yeah, use same. that. I, it's yeah. the most reliable, right? right? And it has the most features, but uh, I'm also surprised to, to learn of like high profile individuals and podcasts are, are using zoom. I wonder if they decompress the audio mm -hmm. quality later on. They might. Yeah, they might. Yeah. But that's the luxury of having professional editors for you. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And that's another thing people don't understand is like only until recently is now that we have a team, uh, an awesome team, uh, we were doing all this by ourselves, right? And so uh, with full-time careers, with a family, with a child, uh, for me at least, um, yeah. but also go through, through residency training, uh, how hard it is trying to do this by yourself and, and not necessarily uh, having your time compensated and not just the time that we are spending here and actually interviewing, but the time for preparation, the time for searching guests, the time for communication, all that kind of stuff and the follow-ups and the, the marketing aspect, the advertising aspect of it, all that is quote unquote uncompensated. So um, it goes without saying yeah. that we are, we're passionate and, and hopefully that that shows and, and people are, are taking something away. I think that's, that's what it is. Um, that's what it comes down to. No, definitely. It's a, it's a second job, you know, for sure. For people who mm -hmm. realize it, I mean, definitely a second part-time job, putting hours daily in and out. And, you know, we've had the luxury, you know, starting around episode 80 something where we've brought on three new interns. And so shout out to Haritha, Ethan, and Iman for 
helping us out, helping us with the production, with the promotion, um, definitely taking a load off of us, but then also filling us in with new ideas, with possible guest recommendations, with just recommendations overall on how to improve our podcast. And so we've been definitely grateful for those three's help um, and definitely wouldn't be possible because I know I was doing video on my own. Uh, we'd be doing audio on our own. We'd be posting on our own and it was definitely a lot. So, mm -hmm. yeah. so you alluded to the fact earlier that our purpose, our mission, our direction of the podcast has evolved. Why don't you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. So let's start off with, you know, the title of the podcast, Medicine Redefined. And, you know, we were definitely debating on a lot of different things, um, mm -hmm. you know, changing just different buzzwords, right, that we really wanted to capture our intent. And so we landed on Medicine Redefined. And correct me if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll at least speak for myself, is that when we first started this podcast, I was definitely thinking we'd be more learning about integrative, functional, um, holistic medicine and interviewing guests to learn those approaches and to really teach people as well, the science behind that. Right. And I think we obviously are not strictly a functional medicine or integrated medicine podcast. Yes. We've had guests and we explore those themes quite often, but our guests are not just limited to that theme. And so as we kept going, you know, for the first 10 episodes, 20 episodes, 30 episodes, started to learn more and more about the inefficiencies that every single provider goes through <clears throat> within healthcare and how healthcare affects from top to bottom, from the government all the way down to the patient consumer level. And to me, and I think our approach has definitely been more weaving in those fallacies within healthcare and trying to understand how on every level or every angle it's affecting people. And what we can do from that standpoint then when it comes to the science and comes to the medicine and how we can at least educate and better, whether it's trying to go around these issues or whether it's trying to solve these issues directly, what we can actually do so that we can provide better care. Um, and so whether you're a provider, you're going to see those inefficiencies, whether you're a patient, you're going to see those inefficiencies. And I think when we say redefine now, and you know, we're obviously going to be putting out a new logo. And for those who don't know on social media, we already kind of put those out, but at least getting a new podcast logo um, that will show more of our intent now, right? Which is really evolving and changing healthcare and moving. And, you know, a lot of people talk about medicine 2.0 and now that we're going to medicine 3.0, it's how do we truly evolve? How do we get past all those barriers um, and find solutions or better trade-offs? Yeah, that's well said. I'll add that for, from my perspective, yeah, initially it was a lot of frustrations about things that we weren't learning in quote unquote, the traditional model of healthcare in medicine. You know, I think this was maybe, I probably had the idea maybe, I've actually had it for a long time, but probably somewhere on the, my f intern year, maybe in fourth year, but second year when I was getting really, really frustrated with it. And I was like, okay, what, why are my colleagues not talking about some of the things? So all the, the different practices that you highlighted Initially, it was like, okay, well, what's different about these practices? And let's start highlighting all these things that, and especially how is it different from quote unquote, the current model of healthcare or the current model of medicine. And what you realize after talking to different providers in quote unquote, these different fields, you, you learn that there are significantly more commonalities that there are differences, mm -hmm. right? And it's, it's so much better to focus it 
focus in on the commonalities than the differences. I think when we, and this probably applies to a lot in life, not just medicine, is when we focus on what we all have in the same rather than what we what's different about it, uh, I think that it, it's just a better conversation. And um, it's not a conversation that gets a lot of attention, unfortunately, right? It's uh, argument and, and discourse gets a lot more attention than concordance in general. But uh, it'd be surprising, right? We all, no matter what field of, I shouldn't say all, but a lot of providers who are truly going for the altruistic reasons are trying to do better for their patient, for themselves. And it's, you know, they truly believe whatever they're offering is going to make a difference for the positive, right? There are people who have malintent. Yeah. Aside from those though, um, you know, and it's so interesting when, with, with the conversations is, uh, perspective, as we talked about when we're talking about evidence-based medicine versus evidence-informed medicine is how you can find any study to support your your point of view and and what it is that you believe. And even looking at the same studies, how three different people can can have three drastically different takeaways from the same study. And so, you know, how can we come together and be like, okay, let's let's discuss and how can ultimately put the patient at the forefront and and how can we use the information that we have to make this about the patient, make, make this about being helpful than being right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's funny. You use the word discordance. This is the, this is the typical read my mind situation. Cause I was going to use that word. So, you know, I think for both of us as we're still young as physicians and in our journeys. And so every year that we get our practice, that we see patients, that we have more of these discussions, we're learning more and more. And so when I look at myself from intern year to PGY3 and being, you know, obviously siloed in the traditional uh, healthcare model, I see this discordance from our podcast episodes, right? And, and what I'm learning and how it's possible to do things outside of this traditional medicine model and how a lot of our guests are doing that, whether it's from a coaching standpoint or just a different model in general, like DPC or concierge, or just the way they're educating patients, um, they're definitely going in different directions. One is my training and the other is kind of learning about how other people are doing these things. And it's funny, uh, about two days ago, I was with a medical student. I'm on my sports medicine rotation right now. And, you know, we were just talking about, um, he told me he just saw, listened to a functional medicine podcast on curbsiders. And he was like, you know, it's super interesting that there's like seven, nine different pillars about uh, categorizing how human dysfunction happens. Like you have metabolic, mitochondriac, immune system. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's really cool, et cetera. And he was like, yeah, I don't know why we don't necessarily integrate all those things within medical school, right? Like you, those are things you think you'd learn when it comes to holistic or trying to integrate all these biochemical processes, physiology, et cetera. And I agreed with him. And then I kind of told him, you know, what I'm interested in, precision and performance medicine, slowly explained that. <clears throat> he was like, all right, well, let me know whenever you have a podcast out. And I was like, well, this might be funny, but I do have a podcast. Um, and so when I think about our audience, right, and this is something that we've always talked about, is like, who the heck is our audience from the beginning to now? And it's been tricky because healthcare affects, again, everyone at every level. <clears throat> and so anyone is going to gain something of value when they listen to our episodes, whether you're a patient, whether you're in healthcare administration, whether you're a physician, whether you're a non-physician provider, there's something to gain from a perspective. But the more I think about it, I think there is a longing for this newer generation of physicians and providers for that type of care where it's all integrated and they can really start to learn the science and teach that science 
but also almost get to the root cause. And I'll use that word loosely because, you know, root cause can mean different things to different people. But it's, it's just interesting to hear a student tell me that. And then he even asked me saying, man, so how is residency going for you? Like, if you have to go through every single one of these rotations and this is your end goal, man, it must be a drag. And it's funny because I was like, yeah, I mean, you got to go through it to get through it. The degree obviously helps. The understanding and, you know, having the influence that you can have helps. Um, so it's definitely something that that perspective and me just talking to him has really opened my eyes as far as maybe what we're trying to do here now with these episodes and kind of the flow and the interview uh, that we use and the things that we try to bring out of our guests. Yeah. I mean, that's right on. So on that note, I think when I initially had that idea, I was just reflecting a lot on some of the recent gets, uh, specifically Wendy Trubeau was something that she said. And I was like, wow, man, that's powerful. Um, a couple, a lot of things actually she said that, that resonated with me. Um, and, and that's been the theme with almost every single person that we've talked to, right? Even the conversation that you and I have had, which has changed my practice and just my approach and how I conduct myself on a day-to-day. Um, and that's ultimately the purpose, right? I mean, it, it change starts from within. And so I've thought about, okay, well, what are some of the lessons that when I reflect back that have given me new insight into how I'm going to move forward? And this hopefully after the next hundred or maybe even sooner will change again, because that's what it's all about, right? So um, I'd love to share those with you now, and then you chime in wherever you want. And then also tell me if there's something that that you have the different. So the Perfect. first one, which actually kind of broke my heart, and this is uh, from E.C. Sinkowski. Um, I don't remember when it was. And it's essentially that people change when they are ready for change, when they want to change. Uh, as somebody, again, we're medical practitioners and people come to us with a problem more often than not. And then we provide a solution for them. And how often is it that they actually carry that out, right? And it's like when they come back to you and you're like, God, I just, I gave you all the answers. If you just do what I'm telling you, mm-hmm. like your problems will be solved. And when it comes to, you know, passive treatments, like injecting somebody or giving a medication, stuff like that, that might work. But a lot of things that we talk to, as it signifies on our logo, when we're talking about Medicine 3.0, the proactive healthcare model, this chronic disease healthcare burden requires a lot of active participation from the patient, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, and that's challenging. And particularly for me with my loved ones, oh. who, again, both of you, we talk about health span and our health span and longevity is very important to us, but it's like, okay, well, what does that matter if the ones that we love and the ones who are closest to us aren't around right. for the last 10, 20, 30 years, or if they're not healthy for that time. Um, and so those are the people you desperately want to change. At least I do. Right. And yeah. I'm like, please just make the right decisions, mom. If you just make the right decisions, dad or my wife or whoever it is. Yeah. Um, and so coming to terms with that one, especially that even my sister who I don't know if she's probably not listening to this, but she was like, didn't even go to the doctor until she was like 28 years old. And I was like, what are you doing? Um, like, nah, you know, she's just one of those people like, if I go to the doctor, they're going to find something wrong with me. And then I'm going to know about it. And I was like, right. And, and she's brilliant. Right? She's the smartest person in my family for sure. Yeah. Uh, but it's such an interesting thing. And so coming to terms with even that is that even though your loved ones, you can't get them to change. Um, and they're going to make the those changes. Uh, and specifically what she said was, I think this is a quote on Instagram is, you know, people, um, I think, change when they're sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? Especially when we're talking about health, 
Um, but it can apply to even their emotional health or really anything. So I completely agree with that one, especially when it comes to your loved ones, right? I think seeing a patient, sure, it can break your heart for maybe five, 10 seconds, right? But there's not that connection that you have with them as much as you would with your loved one. What do you think about your own future and how much we are invested as physicians within our own health, right? There's a lot of physicians out there who don't take care of themselves, who strictly use it as a job. And I think for us, it's more of a job. It's 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 a lifestyle, right? And we don't necessarily identify with just being a doctor, but again, it's a lifestyle for us that we need to look the part as well if we can go out and educate and try to make people healthy. But when it comes to your loved ones, I think that's that's very tough. And that, that thought goes through my mind a lot of times is, hey, if I'm doing everything for longevity purposes and health span purposes, what's the point if nobody else around me is doing that, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's tough. And a lot of times I have to remind myself, well, it's going to make me feel better today. It'll make me feel better tomorrow, right? And I think Sometimes we get a little too caught up in the future because who knows? I mean, I got high risk for um, cardiometabolic stuff. Um, and so who knows, right? Um, but I totally agree with your point that it's hard, to, it's hard to change people until they're ready, until they have a little bit of a downfall. And one of the things I've also come to grasp with is that people just need to learn it on their own. Like they just need to go through that teaching point. They need to go through that lesson, um, which will hopefully make them stronger in the end. Yeah. What's interesting though, that and this has been just a personal development for me is also everybody has a different way in, in how they like to be communicated, listened to, right? Not everybody is gonna feel good about following, like hearing our regimen and how we do things and then use that as inspiration. For some people that could be intimidating, for others it could be just completely useless information. And so that's why I, I sometimes reserve like how I hear my tactics because it's such a personal thing it's so contextual dependent on so many factors in life like you know a lot of things in that, that seem to work for you i mean just well, one of the point of contention one of the few points you and i is, is just how we like to listen, read our books right that's right, one of the ones right. audio books um, don't work people no, i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> and um and and so it's interesting that you know everybody has their own individually so just this is a actually a, a point that has probably been shared by so many guests that I think it's probably worth mentioning at this point. It's like meeting people where they're at, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you are talking about change and if you are talking about helping people and choosing when to be helpful is meet the person where they're at. Like, you know, when somebody comes in and they're expressing some openness for fitness or health or nutrition, you don't just bombard them. With, well, you know, everything you're doing, well, while we're talking about your nutrition, let's talk about your sleep. And while we're talking about your sleep, let's also talk about your mindfulness practice and this and this. Mm-hmm. And, and the person just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I just wanted to ask if intermittent fasting is good or not. Like such a <laughs> basic and silly question. And we're like, well, that's a stupid question. Like to, even telling him that, like, okay, yeah. you know, th- that approach is not going to be helpful. Um, so we try to use those opportunities and just m- meet the patient and also start by, place of inquisition rather than just like, okay, let me tell you all that I know, the facts that I know, right? Again, this book that I told you for the Ryan Holiday books, the, the one that resonated with me the most, and I don't know if it's a good thing or not, is Ego is the Enemy, yeah. um, why that was my favorite one. Um, the, and um, yeah, I, I think that's a book that everybody needs to read. And uh, especially if, if you're a physician or, or in one of these practices uh, that are kind of in a quote unquote position of power, so to speak. Yeah, no, great book. I was actually looking at all three today and saying that I might need to reread them. So <laughs> got them somewhere there on that top shelf. 
yeah. yeah. I like that. What's your, uh, and what else have you learned? What's your second point? So, um, on the thread of, of change, I think that what's becoming more and more clear to me is people have to be active participants in their care. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think that we most recently talked with Dr. Austin Perlmutter about this, where we just said, uh, Hey, like, you know, no, no matter what it is that, that we give information to people, they, they have to go through the journey. You just, you just said like, they have to arrive at that conclusion and then they have to constantly be engaged. And mm-hmm. as Peter Tia talks about, you know, in, in his book, a new book outlive, he just said that you are the captain of your own ship, mm-hmm. right? Like, you're, you're making the decisions and we are there just as guide. And so part of the conversation that I have with my patients is when they come in and is I tell them like, listen, like you're the quarterback, you're the point guard, you're the captain of your ship. And, and I'm just here as kind of just like nudging you in the right direction and, and giving you the information. And I'm the one who's along for the ride, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. And if it, if it does turn to be other, other way around, it might be successful for a very short period, but you know, for that Medicare, excuse me, medicine 3.0 model that you're talking um, when we're, when we're talking about the long game and we are talking about this preventative model, um, it doesn't seem to work. Um, the, the 2.0 model, when somebody's really, really sick and, and they need care from us. Yeah. You know, somebody is sick as hell and they need some medication. We can provide them to the hospital. Somebody has a broken bone and they need to get, you know, repaired or sutured and stuff like that. We can do that. But, mm-hmm. but the things that we're talking about often on this, on this podcast, 30, 40 years from now, things that are going to kill you, the chronic disease burden, people need to be active participants today. Um, and that's hard. Yeah. I was just listening to the healthpreneur podcast with, uh, Yuri Elkram. And one of mm-hmm. the things he talked about today was why a virtual practice can oftentimes be better than a brick and mortar practice. And the reason why is you're forcing people to be an active participant in their care, right? You go see a chiropractor, you go see a physiotherapist. Yeah. Sure. It's hands-on. They might feel better. Like you said, for that moment, for the next two, three days, but then what happens? They come back right? Because they know they can come back and get seen and get hands-on treatment. But when you start making it virtual, right? And we talk about medicine 3.0 and how things are potentially moving in that direction. You are now putting the burden or, you know, a good burden on the patient to take care of themselves, to do their, whatever it might be, foam rolling, to do the stretches, to go to the gym, to get that proper sleep, because they know they don't have the luxury to at least come in and see you. But now they can at least come back and report to you what happened and then get some more tips. Um, so mm-hmm. essentially you're making them, like you said, the captain of their ship. Yeah. That leads me to, I think, uh, this is a good segue for the, the next one. I think a lot of things that we talk about, things that tend to be alternative, quote unquote, on the cusp, things that to be more progressive as we like to think about it. People will say, well, that's expensive, right? And what's the evidence for this? And mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is healthcare is expensive, right? No matter which way you look at it. Uh, and I'm very closely involved in, you know, the insurance model, the business model, like that's a source of the area of interest for me. Um, but what I've also come to learn, and I'm stealing this from Mike Boyle, where I saw it on Instagram, but I'm not sure if he's the originator of this is everybody pays for their health. Yeah. Right. You just have to choose when you want to pay. Yeah. Do you want to pay today when you're young and you're healthy? Or do you want to pay when you're older and you're sick and you're desperate and you need that? You're going to pay at some point. And so we've said time and time again that this is an investment, right? This is an investment. You're just, you're putting money into the bank account so you can cash out later. And I mean, to your point about like, you take um, these, all these amazing trips all around the world, which requires serious physical health to be able to mm-hmm. enjoy those experiences, right? So um, jump in here and talk a little bit about that yeah. because I think people just don't appreciate it. 
first of all, I think that's the greatest line like I've heard, right? And I, I remember you putting that on Instagram because I say it all the time now, all the time. Like whether it's trying to explain what precision medicine is and using it almost as a business motto to attendings, to patients, it's everyone's going to pay for healthcare. It depends when. And this is exactly what I say to my family as well, right? So I don't even blink an eye anymore when it comes to paying for a supplement test, right? If you get an omega-3 quant test, I don't blink an eye. I just got the walking pad. Should hopefully be coming in a couple hours because I need to get those steps in. So like, hmm. sure, I can afford these things, right? I'm, I'm privileged enough where I can afford these things, but I do understand that, yes, they're a little steep now in terms of price, but I'm hopefully not going to pay the price down the road. And I know Peter T has even talked about this in an episode when it comes to traveling. And, you know, a lot of people save the rich, luxurious life for when they're older, right? Once they hit retirement to say, oh, I'm going to go to Italy or I'm going to go visit Tokyo or finally want to do the steps of XYZ in this country. But are you going to be fit enough to do that, right? And I think Bill Perkins also talked about this on his podcast. So for me, you know, this a lot of this plays the emotional health and it plays to what I call living a full life, um, which is, you know, you never know how much longer you're going to live. It can be tomorrow, it can be a month, a year. I don't you know, need to say it. Everyone's kind of heard that. But I want to make sure that I can at least create the experiences now so that later down the road, I can look back and say, great, I've done these things. How do I keep doing those things, right? Like, how do I keep my physicalness? How do I keep my emotional health, my spirituality up to optimal levels so that I can go and explore the world? I think when I'm on my deathbed, the one thing I'm going to look back on is how much did I live this life? right? Not necessarily how much did my patients mm -hmm. do it or did anyone else do it, but what did I do? And a lot of that's introspection in terms of, great, I got to see the world, explore it like, uh, like the treasure it is and go seek out some certain things. But in order to do those things, right, like catching a train, climbing up the Pinole Rock in Colombia, um, go, we're going to Tuscany soon. So being able to hop on different trains there, go to Lake Como, go up and down steep hills, yeah, requires definitely um, some physicality. And so a lot of the times I'm telling my parents, hey, you have to go to these places now because you're not going to be able to climb, you know, Amalfi Coast and go up this steep hill in five, 10 years. Like it's just not going to happen, especially in the way that you're, you know, going down right now. And so that has inspired them to go to the gym now. That's inspired them to get into weightlifting because now they're thinking, okay, we now that COVID's over, we need to go travel. I want to be physical enough to do these things. And a lot of the times we don't realize it because we haven't been traveling. We forget that there's a physical component to this, even taking mm -hmm. a 18-hour flight over, right? I mean, you're going to be dehydrated. Your sleep's going to go out of whack. You're not walking and not mobile much. Your muscles are going to get tight. So those first two days, three days coming out are miserable. But if you right. have enough resiliency and flexibility in your body, you can quickly navigate. And, you know, when you understand your own body, you can really prevent those things from happening. Yeah. And people under oh my God, people <laughs> underestimate how much building physical resiliency builds mental resiliency. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and it's just a, it's just a carryover effect in every aspect of your life, right? Your emotional health, your mental health. There's a reason why everybody talks about if exercise could be, you know, put into a pill, it would be the most expensive pill in the world mm -hmm. because it affects literally every system of your body and more often than not in a positive format, maybe not acutely, right. but over time, especially if you develop that. So, so yeah. let's, um, let's shift to the next one, which is more recently from Wendy Trubo, as I was talking about is, and this is when our conversation was during, you know, our foundational 
um, experiences in terms of this pyramid and what are the things that we should be addressing in terms of nutrition, sleep, all that stuff before we talk about supplementation, all mm-hmm. these advanced testing. And I think she said something to the tune of like, anything is better than everything, right? Or said another way for my brain is something is better than nothing. And, you know, I thought about that a lot because when people come to me and, or if they ask me a question or friends, family, whoever it might be and say, oh, look, what about this supplement? What about this um, specific protocol for exercise? Intermittent fasting is a, a hot one still, right? I hear a lot of the students yeah. who rotate with me talking about this uh, and then the background. Um, and my, my initial thought was, well, what about X, Y, and Z? Like, you know, I would want to ask them, what about the other foundational things? Like, wh- what's the state of that? Mm-hmm. And then my thought would be, well, you know, if you don't have that dialed in, I'm not necessarily sure this is a good idea to do. But what Wendy said really got me thinking about that. It's like, if you are making, if that's the only place that person, so this this goes back to and ties in with meeting the patient where they're at, right? Or the person where they're at. If that's the only thing they're interested in, that's the only change they're interested in. And after the conversation they've had with me, now they don't even do that much. Then I think ultimately I did net harm, right? Because I didn't necessarily help. Like if that would have made a 2% difference, that's better than 0% they would have had otherwise. Even if the suggestion that I was making would have made 20, 10 or 20%, right. you know, 2% is better than zero, right? Less than 20, but better than zero, right? That's just simple math there. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the challenge is that I do want people to appreciate with that though, is that sometimes you're, you're still stepping over dollars, in some case, hundreds of dollars to pick up pennies. But again, pennies are better than nothing, right? So mm-hmm. um, just to be very clear with an example is, you know, if somebody's talking about some type of supplementation and let's use a supplement maybe that's not, doesn't have as as robust data as some of the other ones. Like let's just use ashwagandha, right? Pretty mm-hmm. good data, but it, it's probably not going to be in my top three supplements when I'm looking right. for longevity. Is that fair? Do you agree with that? Fair. Very fair. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but if somebody is not sleeping well, like, and, and, and that's within their control. We're not talking about like new parents or sick person or something like that. If somebody's not sleeping well for, for the choices they're making themselves and not exercising like four to five times a week. Um, and they're using ashwagandha for some specific reason, then, then I would say, okay, well, you're that, that's the example where you're stepping over dollars and tens and twenties, hundred dollars bills to pick up pennies because you're, you know, trying to correct something with ashwagandha or even for like, um, I don't know, like uh, apple cider vinegar or something like that for insulin resistance. Yeah. I see this as a very gray area at times. So I think I love your talk about percentages and looking to make at least a positive difference, right? One of the things that I've started to realize is there's a lot of people out there who think cardio is super beneficial. And it is, right? I mean, we all need to work on our cardiorespiratory fitness. But people, uh, people overestimate how much cardio is actually burning their, or how much, how many calories are actually being burned during cardio, right? So a lot of people will, let's say, go for an hour run. And then they think because of that, they burn so many calories that they can start to eat more food than they actually would have, right? And of course, their appetite's probably gone up. And so I think the foundational pieces are important because understanding nutrition, understanding exercise, understanding stress and sleep, at least at the basic levels, so that one doesn't actually cause the other harm, is a very important concept because people then get confused. They say, doc, I'm, I'm running three miles every day. Um, and quickly we can be like, okay, great. Let's focus on that. 
but then you miss out on hearing about the component about nutrition, which is, oh yeah, but then I eat like this, right? And then you start to get in this limbo of, wait, why are you actually not losing weight or why aren't you not being as fit as you could? Um, but I think looking at it as far as percentage go, percentage points go is a very good idea because by doing that, I think you can start to get more of a little comprehensive review and you start to ask the right questions to say, are we at least moving in a positive direction? Even if it's something that's at the top of the pyramid that you're taking, you can take that, but is it causing harm to any of the other pillars? Yeah. Um, and, and again, th this kind of goes back to the ego point too, right? I think this, this reminds me, this is a lesson that I, that I want to make sure that I convey. And this is not something that was said on our podcast, but I heard about the John Vardy podcast a long time ago, um, short-lived, but a lot of valuable lessons from there is when it comes to being right versus being helpful, always choose to be helpful. Um, and that's something that I'd have to remind myself, right? So in that context of the examples we just talked about, you know, somebody's coming in and and we know what the most powerful levers are going to be, right? For for overall health, but and that's that's right. That's uh, you know, there's no dispute about that. The evidence is clear, but it might not be helpful for that person. Again, we're seeing themes here. It's so again tying into a meeting where the patient's at if that's all they're ready for. So, so that's another one that I think is very, very important. And I'll, I'll kind of jump into the next one, unless you have something to say about that. Nope, go for it. I agree. This concept of active listening. So going all the way back to Jyoti Patel, I want to get her back on. Hopefully she'll come back on. But Jyoti Patel, like, you know, attentiveness, curiosity, she hasn't been the one. I think Dan Pope's made this point several times. Uh, Ni Cheng Liang, like a bunch of different people, right? So attentiveness, curiosity, these go an incredibly long way to build therapeutic alliance, right? Which which is absolutely necessary, right? So it's it's basically motivational interviewing one on one, um, and we really have to be generally curious in where that patient's coming from, what what matters to them, what their experience is like, what their view of the world is, what their view of themselves is, and it, it starts with deep listening, like just simply just turning everything else off and just listening, and not necessarily listening to 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 respond, right? But actually listening to understand and to appreciate and digesting that information. Yeah, our mission is adding the health back to healthcare, but this is what puts the care back in healthcare, right? I, I've been thinking about that too. I, I think I mentioned to you is, you know, during my conversation with, you know, my therapist, like it was about, hey, when I was describing it, it was like, oh, it's, it sounds like it's a lot about adding the care. And I was like, oh, wow, it is. Because I think that we don't we don't ask that question, but it matters just as much. Yeah, no, that's, that's a very valid, fair point. Um, healthcare, um, yeah, and I think a lot of young providers or providers in the traditional model might be thinking, you know, Darshan Altamash, that's that's very tough to do when you only have 15, 30 minutes, forty five minutes with a patient, and sometimes you have to interrupt them and you have to try to teach and listen at the same time and you know, your the next patient's on your mind because you already saw that they're already in the room. And so how do you kind of go about this? And at least get, I'll give my strategy and I think I can, I'll brag a little bit here and say that I think I've been known for um, doing, having great reviews from patients um, as far as being comprehensive, but also listening and showing that I care. And I think one of the things that I do is after every so often, you know, and I type while I'm in the room. So, you know, hmm. I'm typing as I'm doing this, but every so often I'm going to restate and also teach. So whenever they tell me something, I'm going to restate whatever it is. And then I'm going to 
take those 15 or 30 minutes as if it's a 30 minute educational lesson in the classroom. And my goal is to take whatever their symptom is and teach it as, as if they're in med school and go from here all the way to the diagnosis and take them through the pathology, take them through the exam, and just try to teach exactly what we all learn when we're in our first and second year and doing an OSCE or something. And by doing that, without the patient knowing, they when the attending comes in, I'm constantly getting a glance because whatever the attending is now saying, I've already said it before. I've already reiterated. And so when we start thinking about the next steps or, hey, we might get an MRI or we might need to get these labs, they're like, oh, this, that's, that's what Dr. Shah said. That's what Dr. Shah said. So that's the approach that I've been using, whether it's drawing out some diagrams or just kind of talking um, and teaching while also typing. It's been efficient on my end, but it's also at least made the patient feel like they've been heard and that somebody's actually truly thinking through their problem and thinking through their issue. Yeah. It's funny. Like it, it reminds me a little bit of what Brian Sutter said, you know, when people are like, I just came here for entertainment and uh, you know, I'm, I'm being taught stuff and the patient's like, I just came here for some answers or some medication. <laughs> and here I am getting all this knowledge. I love that, man. I mean, I think I learned this from you, right. Um, just because I'm not as, um, as smart that, I mean, the, the, the word doctor, like within it embedded is teaching, or does that actually mean teaching yeah. or teach? Doctor comes from the root docere, which means to teach. Yeah. 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 I mean, so it, it has to be part of that, right? You, you have to educate the patient. Otherwise, again, these things that we're talking about, everything that we've said thus far in the last 30 minutes, um, it's not going to be applicable. It's not going to be successful, which brings me to the next point. Um, you, you, as you said, you, you're bragging about this and, and this is something that I need more work on is right. Pouring from an empty cup. Right. So again, a lot of people have talked about healing the healers and, uh, we talked about the great resignation time and time again, we talked about, um, healthcare burnout, moral injury, all that kind of stuff. Um, and also we've touched on this a little bit. So we won't spend too much time is, you know, when we are on the deathbed and we are kind of at the end of life is, and we're reflecting back. And it's not necessarily about legacy because I think that's kind of silly. There is no legacy. That's not just a thing that's more right. of an egotistical thing, but it's about, Hey, have I, have I walked the walk? Have I lived my actions uh, or, you know, have, have my actions reflected my, my um, opinions or my, my teachings, so to speak. I think um, that's got to start with taking care of yourself. And this is something that I've been telling my students a lot now is I've had some amazing students come with me. I've been very lucky in that regard in the last couple of weeks. And I've just been reminding them, guys. And during that time, right, they're, they're applying for, for residency and they can't see anything or they're, they're studying for, for level two or step two. And they're just like, you know, how do, I, how do I match? How do I match? And they can't see anything but that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's going to be fine. Or they just matched. And I'm like, yo, it's going to be fine. But, but remember this. Like, everybody gets through this. We've all been through this. Yeah. This you got to remember this though. It's a long, long road. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so on that note, yeah, go, go for it. Yeah. No, no. On that note, I'll go to the next one. It's about identifying your core priorities. So, um, I might be ruining this, but this is from uh, James Clear, right? But but we've talked about identifying our core priorities and shining our core priorities, right? We t recently talked about this with uh, Dan Pope mm -hmm. about putting the the mantle up there and and making the least amount of decisions that you have to make once you identify how you want to live your life that, that violate that, that model. Right. Um, this one, uh, I struggle with because I have so many interests and like with respect to being in academics and 
wanting to do research and also podcasting and also teaching and also being a clinician and also doing a lot of procedures and whatnot and also caring for my own health and my family that um that there's just not enough time in the day Mm -hmm. and so i'm often struggling with okay well what's the most valuable thing in this time um that's a tough one for me because it's like you know i i have a lot of priorities and your priorities change from 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 you know different seasons of your life as we talked about as well but um for, for somebody who's so ambitious type a I, I tell people there's no such thing as type b in medicine it's type a1 type a2 you know like type aa as my previous program director would, would say there's there's type a and then there's type a ultimush and um <laughs> th- that one's hard for me man yeah. i know you're much better at this than i am so i don't know i mean i i i totally see your point and i go through it too um you know there's a lot of core things that are in my mind from a personal development standpoint and so that's you know getting the workout in that's like a non-negotiable almost every day um that it comes down to can i read a book can i at least get some breath work in now i've got an ice bath so i try to structure my day as far as i would like it to be but at times it's like okay i'm gonna wake up at 6 a.m guess what not happening i'm too tired i'm gonna hit that snooze button wake up at 6 30. And then I have a choice. Do I just get mad at myself or do I just keep moving on? And, you know, Darsh probably last year, even like five months ago would be pretty pissed and say, damn, you know, I like, I let go of today when I could have done something more, but I've, and now I've I've got, I shifted my perspective and I look back at, you know, the last year and I think, and I say, okay, there's been plenty of days where I haven't touched last three days. I haven't touched a book. I haven't even read 10 pages like I usually do because I just had no time. And I shifted my perspective to think there's been many days where I've not completed everything I've wanted to, right? That's, that's our issue is that we get overly ambitious and we think we can do it, but then life get, gets in the way and shit happens and you're, you're unable to, but out of that last six months, has my life still improved or did I plateau or am I downhill? And I'd say it improved. Like I've still done enough things where I've gotten stronger physically. I've at least finished one or two books where I've learned things. Uh, I'm learning more about my nutrition and calories and kind of figuring out that game. Uh, Stress management's been great. Learning new breathwork techniques, got a new cold plunge, got a walking pad. So like I am doing what I need to do to at least be on an uphill trajectory, right? To do the right things. Now, let's say I was a 5% improvement. Could I have gone 10%? Maybe, but maybe doing those things also could have dropped me to 2% or even negative right? Like if I choose to wake up at six, maybe I needed more sleep that day. So I've learned to just kind of be flexible, sure, have ambitious goals, but also don't get too tied up in terms of completing everything. And, you know, I'm not in the position of you yet where you're an attending, you've got a family, you've got a kid, and you've definitely got more, I'll say, roles and responsibilities than I do. Um, For me, I don't need to do these things, right? These aren't necessarily life or death, or even from an evolutionary perspective, important. But for you, they absolutely are. And so I think identity for you is definitely going to be different than identity for me. For me, it's kind of a choice. But for you, you are a father, you are a husband, right? Like these things absolutely matter um, when you look at the greater outlook of things. I love that, man. It's That's the first point that you made about if you miss something that you're supposed to do that day and you're like, oh man, I failed today or I didn't accomplish X task out of all the tasks that I wanted to do, and then you're beating yourself up. And, and you know, at this point, the non-negotiable, so exercise, you, you mentioned that is, and for me, that is too a lot, but then 
there are oftentimes I can't because yeah. of circumstances, your daughter gets sick, whatever that kind of stuff happens. Um, and, and that's a, still a challenge for me some days, but, uh, but looking at, okay, in the, in the next six months or three months, take a, if, if a 10,000 foot overview isn't good enough for you, take a 30,000 foot overview, maybe 50,000 foot overview. I drew this out for my patient the other day. I don't know if you can see that screen. Yeah, I don't know if people I can't see it. So yeah. I, on the X, on the X horizon, I drew up time. And on the Y horizon, I, I drew up like progress, right? And this is, a, this is a patient 70, almost 80 years old, engineering background was so, so challenged with their pain. And what, what you're telling me right here is like, if you look at the wrong interval, if you look at the time interval like here, and you might just catch up the downslope, you're like, nope, right. I'm going in the wrong direction. But then you take that 50,000 foot overview, you look at over, over the last six months, over the last year, I'm all the way up here. This is where I started. Um, that one's again, we tend to get myopic too. And people don't appreciate that, um, yeah. you know, because we're like, okay, it's one step back. But sometimes you got to take a step back to take three steps forward. Mm -hmm. you take, you're still moving forward. Um, so I think I, I really, really love that. For sure. There's a, so I was going to make an Instagram video on this soon, but there's, there's two principles that I really use when it comes to emotional health and not getting down on yourself or getting down on other people. And, you know, this is still a work in progress for me, but the first one's called the 1000th time principle, right? So stuff's going to happen. You miss something. You just made a plate of food. It's going to drop. You can't cry over spilled milk, right? But you can't win everything. You're going to lose some shit happens in life. So the first principle is called the thousandth principle, meaning imagine that this is the thousandth time this has happened. It has happened 999 times before, and it's going to happen again, a thousand and one. What is the point in you trying to be upset over, over it in that moment, right? I mean, it's going to happen again, right? So that should hopefully bring you back to a calmer baseline and say, whatever, I'm over it. I know this is going to happen again in the future. It's going to happen. There's nothing you can do. The second principle is called the deathbed principle, which we kind of just talked about is when you're on your deathbed and you look back on this scenario about you missing a workout or you not eating clean that day and having a cheap meal, is that something you're going to be worried about when you're 90, 100 years old on your deathbed looking back? Probably not. You're going to be looking at that graph and looking at it from a way like far away view and seeing was the, was it, was the line going up, straight or down? And if it's something that's going to bother you on your deathbed, then you know you got to take action. So at least it's a wake-up call. There's something you can do about it. And that should clue you in and cue you in to doing something. And so those are kind of the two principles that I use now whenever something doesn't go my way to really just get over it or say, hey, okay, I need to do something about it because this will bother me uh, when I look back at my life. Yeah, I love that. We've talked about time a little bit. And that's something that I've been thinking about a lot, right? We were just talking about this earlier today yeah. with the... The 4,000 weeks. Have you read that book yet, by the way? I haven't. It's on my list. I haven't read it yet, though. Amazing. Yeah. Um, highly recommend for everybody. Oliver Berkman. It's a really, really good book. Changes some perspective on, on things in life. And you know what else does is uh, death for people always, right? Some some powerful um, thing that, that'll change your perspective. And and I've, I've had my fair share in the last few years of that. So that makes you think about how finite this is. And how that's the only non-renewable resource. So it's another powerful one is, and you want to spend it where it matters the most to you for you, right? And so, you know, podcasting, it gives us energy in that sense. It helps you and I connect a lot, right? I mean, even though you know, we could probably be better by hanging out in person, but, um, you know, we learn so much from each other. I learn so much from you. And then together, we learn a ton from our guests. And even during the research and all that stuff, working, spending time with our family. 
Um, and as <laughs> you know, sometimes I, I sound so old when I say this, but I'm only 33, almost 34. Um, are you 30 yet? Remind me. You just turned 30, didn't you? 31. 31. God, look great for 31, man. Look like 25. <laughs> um, that we really have to to prioritize whatever it is that matters to you the most. And so this ties in with the core priorities thing really, really nicely. And hopefully people are seeing that we're transitioning uh, to more of, a, more of a philosophical thing, more to to your area of expertise here. <laughs> yes, uh, but this is it. something that, that I think um, is really important for people to appreciate. Uh, particularly for the younger professionals listening to this, the medical students, residents, trainees, that you really need to identify what it is that gives you energy and not just do things for the sake of doing things um, because that's going to preserve that. That's going to make it easier for you to stay in the arena, stay in the game. Yeah. You know, there's this common, Tim Ferriss talks about all the time, right? It's how to say no and what to say no to. And I'm a little, I'll go against the grain here a little bit. And I don't think people young in their journey and are still trying to figure things out should say no, unless you absolutely know it does it, you know, it doesn't give you energy or that it's not something you'd want to do. But I think saying yes to a lot of things, especially initially, uh, can do a lot of good and get you a lot of diverse experiences and get you out there to figure out what you want to do. But once you kind of have that vision, it's important to understand how to say no and when to say no. And, you know, Sahil Bloom just put a post up today talking about, um, what game are you playing? And you should understand the game you're playing. What is the prize if you win that game? And then third, if you win that prize, does it even matter to you? Right. Mm. And just using that checklist, uh, which I thought was pretty insightful. And I think really that that applies once you have a vision, once you know what you want to do. And I think we're both at that point where we have a goal with within certainty that we want to accomplish what we want to do and how we want to practice where, you know, if, if, things come our way, we now know how to say no to certain things because we have other priorities. We have other non-negotiables. Um, and yeah, spending energy, good energy where it matters is super important. And that's why I think we also brought on interns for this podcast, right? I mean, there were parts of this podcast that were draining for us, you know, making videos sometimes or promoting. And I love doing those things, but to do it day in and day out was very challenging. And so bringing on other people who get joy out of that and really can contribute it definitely has made this a better experience. Yeah. Speaking of what matters, last one for me. With all the podcasts out there, all the people in social media putting out information, health information, their point of view of how people can be better, making a difference, the countries, the planets, the galaxies, in the grand scheme of the universe, what I've realized is, at least for me, I don't really matter, right? Like, it's just, again, this goes back to, again, turning into a bit more stoic, more philosophic is like, you know, when you die, it's like, this is why the whole thing about the legacy thing is like, it, nobody's going to remember, like after your loved ones, stuff like that, a hundred years from now, 50 years from now, maybe even depending on where you are in your stage of life, nobody's going to remember, like, you're not going to matter, right? We're all exactly. going to dissolve. Yep. And so- just keep that in perspective. I think that everybody gets really overinflated in terms of whatever it is that, that we're doing. Like, again, we've been doing this for two and a half years now and, 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 you know, we have a direction that's continuously evolving and, and we think we're doing it for the best. And when it's not serving our purpose at some point, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll call each other out or, or we'll call it quits at some, at that point. But mm -hmm. I also recognize that 
there are billions of podcasts out there. There are billions of social media accounts and handle and stuff like that. And everybody's trying to do their best, but it's like at the same time, it's like none of it matters when it's gone. So right. just remember that. Right. No, I can take that in a lot of directions. That's, it's a big point that I, <laughs> that I live on, <laughs> that I focus on and meditate on. Um, have, I, have you read the uh, Almanac of the Vol Ravikant? No, I Almanac? haven't though. I've bought it. Yeah. Dude, that, yeah, there's a, there's a paragraph in there where he essentially says like, you know, just be grateful for the life that you have. Like, we're just supposed to be, we're just monkeys sitting on a rock floating in space. <laughs> like that, that's all we are. And like you said, a lot of times we have these like grandiose thoughts and things and grandiose in perspective. Right. I mean, but this is why I have the balcony thoughts podcast is just like looking up at the stars and realizing like, damn, we are absolutely a speck of dust. No, less than that we're an atom essentially um in this universe uh and you know when it comes to time we're like a nano nano nanosecond of time when you look at the entire entirety of this universe and how long it's been around for um so to think that we can make the biggest difference beyond when we're dead right aka legacy is really is really just funny uh, and not and not a real thing, but this is not meant to be depressing, right? This is meant to be more just a realistic view as far as if you ever get down on yourself or you're trying to compare yourself to somebody else or you're trying to chase the number of followers, uh, that none of it matters in the end. Um, but you do matter, right? As a person, I mean, you can definitely make a difference in somebody's present moment, and I think that's the uh, that's the thing, and I think that's why we do this. When we look back on it, is we're taking a lot of our learnings and trying to affect people's everyday life so that they can have a better present moment. Um, which will hopefully enlighten them. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It wasn't meant to be self-deprecating or, or, or depressing in any sense, but also mm -hmm. to remind people just like, choose what matters today, choose what matters to you. Yeah. Right. Um, just keep that in perspective um, yeah. is don't focus again, your energy to the last point and, and the wrong the last two points really in the, in, in the wrong areas. Yeah. Well, man, uh, this has definitely been a, a longer uh, progress note for us. So, but I, but I thought it was worthwhile because, yeah. um, it's been a, it's been a fun hundred episodes. Um, any, any last minute thoughts, any closing comments you want to make for the folks to wrap this up? I, mean, I, think, the, I think the biggest thing like podcasting has been a blessing doing it with you has been a blessing for sure. These first a uh, hundred episodes excited to see, you know, obviously what the future brings and the networking and meeting more guests and just seeing how our thoughts evolve. You know, I was, I was always known to be a black and white person kind of growing up, but I've definitely evolved to be more of the gray area and, had a different approach, detached from certain ideas and learned to make my identity as somebody who doesn't identify with things now um, and just kind of live life in flow and not force. So that's, it's definitely been fun. Love it, man. Let's do it again. And uh, after the next hundred, hundred percent. All right. All right, buddy. I really want to take this time and thank you all, all our wonderful listeners, for making Medicine Redefined a part of your lives, maybe a part of your commute, a part of your walk, maybe part of your daily routine, but we truly appreciate all of your support. So from the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing our episodes. And most importantly, thank you for learning alongside with us. I also want to thank our team. Ethan Chu, Harita Yepuri, and Iman Bashiri. Once they join the team, our podcast has definitely reached a new height. We're truly excited for the next 100 episodes and hopefully even more beyond that. And we're excited to learn, we're excited to change our opinions, and we're excited to promote better health to the entire world. As a reminder, 
Everything in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, and we are not providing medical advice. No physician-patient relationship is formed, and anything discussed in this podcast does not represent the views of our employers. We recommend that you seek the guidance of your personal physician regarding any specific health-related issues. Cheers to 100. Thank you. Thank you.